having conversations like this and uh, this other podcast we did recently in a lot of ways is therapy because it forces me to talk real and authentically getting to the core of my emotions. And I always feel better when I'm doing that. And I think that's something that everyone can kind of take away from this talk and all the talks is that being comfortable opening up about the good, the bad, and the ugly ultimately will promote healing if that's what you need at this moment. And I think we all need a little bit of healing. Welcome to the award-winning Leadership in the Environment podcast. We guide you to living better by your values. We bring you relevant views on important topics without doom and gloom. We focus on awareness and action. It's about bringing fun, community, and connection to your everyday life. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and turning on notifications. Let's do this. George's challenge from episode one, you may remember, involves people congregating outside, which California made illegal. Separate from that, personally for him, Badwater got canceled for 2020. Badwater is the race that starts in Death Valley and ends up over 100 miles later on a mountaintop, widely regarded as one of the hardest races or maybe the hardest race in the world. He was looking forward to it. Can you imagine the training that goes into that? And then you feel like, what was it for? So given those two big changes, we scheduled an episode 1.5 to share the challenges that he faced. Leadership is not about doing easy things. Sometimes it is, but it's more about facing what others don't and overcoming those challenges. I believe that you'll hear from George that the rewards are more than worth it. He shares about emotions, and I think what you'll hear in that, I believe will inspire you. He speaks with experience, having felt disappointment and despair and futility way beyond what most of us do. And I don't hear a guy who's, yeah, he's disappointed in the moment, but I don't think he's unhappy. I don't think he regrets any of it. I think he's glad that he did it. That's what I find inspirational. So here's George Chimmel. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodak. I'm here with George Chimmel again. George, how are you doing? Uh, Doing great. Good to see you, Josh. Good to talk to you. Good to see you. So with you, something happened that we're in difficult times and you wanted to organize an event with lots of people outdoors. And so when we were scheduling the second episode, you said stuff happened and you said, maybe we should wait until I'm able to do this. And I said, what I've said to a couple of guests before, you know, I'm not trying to make a Disney version here. This isn't easy. And I think a lot of people think it's supposed to be easy and it's rewarding, but it's not always easy. And so I asked you, and, and you, you're game to do an episode 1.5. Tell me what happened from your side and what do you mean to do? What ended up happening? What's going on? Well, yeah, you know, in our last conversation, I like that you kind of put me on the spot at the end, a little call to action, sense of urgency, say, you're going to commit to do an event. I said, yes, I will. I said, we're going to get back in a month, month and a half after the event was concluded. Well, unfortunately, we had something in the works. We were going through our second shutdown now. I had a local nonprofit that does beach cleanups, ready to go in Mission Beach. We were going to bring some people up and do an outdoor boot camp and then do a three-hour beach cleanup. So we were really excited to do it, get back to the environment. And that's something in in San Diego, you can't do enough beach cleanup. And unfortunately, we we got shut down there again. And as the coronavirus cases spike, and I think everyone's just by the day taking it a little more and more seriously... We were unfortunately shut down. So that that was my thing. I was like really disappointed because I wanted to come through for you. I wanted to deliver on your behalf and it was completely taken from me out of my control. But we will do that in the future. But right now, you know, every day is so fluid. Every day is a moving target. So we just got to be adaptable. And unfortunately, we just can't do any mass gatherings at this point, really. Now, you said you wanted to do it for me. And I'm happy for people to do stuff for me. How much of it was for me? I mean, what was motivating you? Well, I mean, obviously I want to do it because it's the right thing to do. And like we talked about in the last podcast, it always feels good to give back. And I always feel like you give back, you actually end up getting more out of it. 
What I also wanted to do for because I know you're such an advocate of it. And when I give my word to saying I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it or I'm going to die trying. And just unfortunately, in this case, um, I was kind of taken out of, you know, taken out of our hands. Right. And, and it's I mean, there, there's a case in point where like you, you push the law a little bit or you push the rules and regulations. And right now is not one. So we're under a second you know, statewide shutdown. I had to shut down the doors and F45 and find an alternative solution for that to go outdoors now and stuff. So, but yeah, I wanted to come back on here and say, Hey, we talked about doing this and we delivered and it was a great experience, yada, yada, yada. But fortunately we're going to probably have to have that conversation in the fall. I appreciate that. And I hope that people at home, it's easy to, Oh, the guy ran across America. This guy can do anything. It's, it's not so easy. No. And I mean, someday it will be easy. It will be, you go to the store, you're going to have to work really hard to get a plastic bag if they're even available. Right now, it's you have to work hard to avoid getting... Well, I don't know what the deal is in California. In New York, they tried to have a ban and they, they pushed back the plastic companies and they're like, and they undid the ban, which I think is, I would think is a backward direction. But right now, it, takes a, it does take work. And, and anyone thinking it's easy, I hope it looks easy afterward. I hope it feels easy afterward, but it's hard. I mean, what did it feel like? I mean, I, I, you kind of alluded to it. What were you anticipating and what did it end up feeling like? Well, it's just felt like more of the same for the last four months where you're trying to put something big together because that's a part of who you are and it's a part of your lifestyle and all this stuff is out of your control and you feel very helpless, right? And I mean, we're not talking about putting on, like I told you about the trip to Kilimanjaro we were going to do this summer where we are going to help lead some amputee veterans up to the summit as like a lifetime experience for them. And it was really like something that, oh my God, that, that got canceled, but understandably so massive event travel and all that stuff. I mean, taking 30 people to the beach to do an outdoor workout and to help pick up trash afterwards. I mean, when you can't put something together like that, it's like, man, your, your hands are really cuffed and it's just more, more frustration, honestly, than, than anything where you, you want to do something and you're so limited. So now you're kind of stuck in this bubble of, isolation and what you're able to do. And like I said, for me, it's particularly hard because I'm, I'm used to always hosting events, putting on events, doing bigger things. And, and you just got to take this one day at a time, stay positive. Yeah. I think the actual practice of leadership, not what makes the movies, not what makes the books. It's a lot of frustration. The actual practice of leadership is not doing the easy things. That stuff doesn't mm -hmm. take leadership. People who just want to go out and pick stuff up. That's great. People who want to get other people to pick stuff up. Yep. It's disappointment. It's you have to do the things that others aren't doing. And I don't want people to have this rosy view of it's easy. It's easy afterwards. You make it easy for others. You, the leader. Well, you give them people, I think, by nature, want to do things bigger than themselves, right? And they want to be a part of these larger initiatives because they feel that community, right? And, and that, that power through the masses. And if you give them the opportunity to make it easy to participate, they're going to be more apt to jump on board. And so what we did with F45, which maybe there's a way that we can do this because you know we're shut down inside. Um, the governor came out last Monday and said, all gyms, all fitness studios, hair salons, yada, 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 have to close indoor operations, but they can operate outdoors. So it was kind of a mad scramble to like, well, what can we do outdoors? So we kind of looked around. I ended up meeting with the Hard Rock Hotel, the executive committee, and we put a deal together where we're subleasing their 8,000 square foot turf uh, pool deck, so to speak. So they have a pool up there on their roof. And then they have this 8,000 square foot open space where they usually have concerts or banquets or receptions, weddings, things of that nature. 
Well, all those events are canceled right now. So now I have 8,000 square feet that's kind of empty. So we put a deal together with them. And so now we're actually utilizing their space to host our classes outside. So we're doing a more limited schedule to hotels. So we can't do early morning classes and wake up the guests and things of that nature. But we're having a couple of classes there a day, which has been awesome because it's allowing us to maintain operations. The hotel occupancy is only at about 20%. So now they're getting an influx of our people going there. And then we stick around and have food and drink or use the pool after or even some of the people are staying there at night. So we're helping support their business. They're helping support our business. So it's been really an awesome collaboration of two businesses just trying to figure stuff out, so to speak, in this evolving environment. So really excited about that. So maybe maybe there's an opportunity to do something and utilize the, the Hard Rock deck sometime in the next month because who knows how long we're going to be there. But it's been a really cool collaboration that I'm proud of that you know, we put together and, and now it's, you know, we've been on the news locally and stuff. I mean, people in San Diego are really talking about it. So it's been, it's been great. That sounds pretty exciting. I mean, we obviously would rather not have a situation where we have to look for situations like that, but it sounds like you're making, you're given the situation, you're doing pretty well. You're creating things, you're making things happen that people want, that people benefit from trying to find innovative outside the box solutions to these unique evolving mandates. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, we don't want to shut down. We didn't want to shut down. We don't think being forced to shut down, especially with the way we're distancing people in the studio is the right thing to do. But then again, I don't feel good consciously to operate under instruction from the governor to shut down illegally. And I just don't want to run my business that way, even though I think we should be allowed to. So then you, what do you do? Well, you can't just shut it down and just, you know, oh, all my guys are back on unemployment. Business is down 90% again for the second time. And, and then, you know, how many times can you restart? So we tried to find a secondary solution and this has worked out for the best. And it's actually allowed us to grow our business in this time. So I'm really proud of the team, how quickly we adapted. Hard Rock's been amazing to work with an RMD group. We put this deal together literally in 72 hours and had our first class there on Saturday when the mandate came on Monday and we were shut down on Wednesday. So, I mean, it wasn't a lot of time to do it. And so hopefully maybe we can do something more community-driven up there at some point while we're in this situation. Well, good luck. I can't help but think that, uh, and you know your situation better than I do, and that I feel like the event that you wanted to do originally to get a bunch of people together, if that can't happen, it feels like the way that you're finding other opportunities to do things in a slightly different way, that the event you were talking about with the pickup that you organized, it feels like there might be another way to do it. Maybe everyone do it on their own and report back online without ever getting together in a big group or maybe... Yeah, I just, I mean, my experience when you try and do stuff like that, the accountability just isn't there versus like, hey, everyone, we're meeting here at nine o'clock in the morning this Saturday and we're going to do this for three hours versus like, oh, go do it on your own. You won't get the participation, at least through my experience. Well, I don't know. To me, my big thing in my third TEDx talk is... It's not the size of how big the first thing is. Because right. a lot of people think of it, take anything anyone does, divide by 7.7 billion, you run off to zero. <laughs> to me, it's what do you learn from the experience? Do you enjoy it? Because if you enjoy it and you learn from it, the next one will be bigger, the next one will be bigger. It's not how big you start, right. it's the meaning behind it. Because if it starts meaningful, big is inevitable yep. and sharing is inevitable. So I'm not about small things adding up. I, I'm not going to stop people doing small things to add up. That's great. By all means, do that. I'm complimenting that and I hope to augment that. But to me, big things that get shared, that's what adds up. Yep. And or meaningful things become big things. But and the other thing, you know, don't tell Hard Rock I said this. It's hard for me not to think of Hard Rock's logo on things that given get given away and thrown away. 
And I'm picturing a lot of waste coming out of that place. And if I were doing something with the Hard Rock Cafe, I'd, I'm sure that there's a lot of landfill stuff that could be, I don't, I don't know exactly. I'm not there, so I don't really know. Yep. But I feel like you're probably in a place where there's a lot of Hard Rock Cafe stuff going to a landfill that could be stopped being put out into people's hands. I don't know. I, I don't know the situation, so I can't really say. Yeah. I mean, certainly when I think of like Coca-Cola or Starbucks or Pepsi or Gatorade, you know, I just think of like, that's the garbage I pick up off the street every day. And they're just pushing it out there which is why I want to work with those companies because I don't think they want their logos on garbage either. Yeah, I would agree. So it just feels like there's stuff there. You know, I don't know the situation, so I could be off. Nope, we're working on it one day at a time. <laughs> All right, and I got to read for you. After your email to me, I got an email from someone else, a listener, who said, I'm going to read you a bit of the, her email to me. Oh, wow. I spent a bit of time reading your blog and listening to the podcast. It gave me a fresh view of building habits. I was aware of doing the bare minimum to keep the ritual going, but after asking myself, what can I do on my worst day? So she set out to meditate five minutes every day and work out 20 minutes every day. After a week, I'm happy to report that I've not broken the streak. I realized that I was in a mental and physical pit the other day, and it is necessary to go through that pit to build strength. I also wanted to let you know that I resonated a lot with your interview with George Chimmel. I listened to it twice, and I'm still reflecting on a few topics that were discussed during that hour. George's, quote, relentless forward motion, your urge of, quote, the more you invest, the more you feel rewarded, and most of all, what I can do to make an impact on the environment. Coming from China, I should say this is coming from China. I identify with George calling out China's bad industrial behaviors. So I want to do something to counteract the damages my home country has done, no matter how small. Give me some time to think it over. I will report back. So while you, just after you emailed me saying, oh, I can't say anything yet, or you want to say something bigger, already what you said is making a difference. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, this is why I think sharing openly as opposed to sharing just the highlights, I think is more effective. Well, totally. No one, I mean, the highlights are, are great. And obviously, I mean, I, I think listeners by nature obviously want to hear from people that have done stuff, but it's the why, right? It's, it's not the what, it's, you know, it's not even as much the how, even though the how is important, but it, it's the why behind it. And that's why, you know, Simon Sinek and everything, I mean, it starts with why, I mean, that, that's the crux of everything. And that's what, you know, you talk about with the environment. That's what I talk about with, you know, my fundraising and everything I've done with Lucy and the vets. And, you know, it comes down to that core why and that core belief. And that's what inspires people, whys and stories, not just what you've done. Well, I'm glad that you came on and shared what's happened so far. And you didn't say, no, 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 I want to wait until I have something good. I want to show off. I hope you get to show off. Yeah, no, no, no. But I, I mean, I, I was, it was just kind of like what we set up, like the plan for this talk was to talk about the event and to talk about Badwater. And here I am coming back and saying, well, two more things were shut down for the year. So, <laughs> Oh, tell me about Badwater. I'm sorry to hear about that. Well, it was, it was interesting. So, I mean, Chris Cosman, the race director, and I got to tell you, I have so much respect for this man. I mean, he fought like a warrior to keep this thing going on. And I mean, you're talking a world-class event with people from all over the world that's got a 25, 30-year history and all this stuff and everything else is canceled. I mean, races in September and October have already you know, announced that they're going virtual. And here we are less than two weeks to go and the race, the race goes on, the show goes on. So the last Friday, the race was scheduled for Monday, the 6th of July two Fridays before that, so 10 days before the race, I'm doing my final 50-mile training run. I drove out to El Centro, which is about two hours from San Diego. It's out in the desert. And I just wanted to get some heat training in because it was about 110 degrees out there. And my goal was to run 50 miles through the night and then drive home. And 12 miles into my run, stopped at 7-Eleven to get some Gatorade, check my phone. 
And he just made the announcement that the race had been canceled. Um, the pickup in COVID cases, particularly on Inyo County, where the race exists, on top of an earthquake that had just happened at the Mount Whitney portal that forced that road to close and everything else. It was just they were not going to get the final permit. And so he had to pull the plug on it literally 10 days before it happened. And some of the runners had already traveled to the Vegas area or to the you know Southern California area and stuff. So, I mean, it was it was disheartening. but. To be honest, it's, I don't think it was a surprise to anyone. I mean, he pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and wanted to have it. But in light of everything going on now, I, I think it's the best case scenario, even though, you know, I would have likely been a bad water finisher at this point. Um, is my dream race, how bad I've wanted it. But now we're just going to have to wait another 12 months. And you know what? I think we'll all be in a better headspace next year. And, you know, the fact that we, we had a year off everyone's going to be able to roll over. Now we'll have international runners, God willing, next year. It'll just be a bigger event. People will be so fired up for it. So I can't wait till July 19th, 2021. (laughs) I just can't. It's just for a lot of other people, including me, I just want to, let's see, remind me, 135 miles in... Death Valley. Yeah, it's, it's, it starts at Badwater Basin, which is 282 feet below sea level. It's the lowest elevation in America, and it's the hottest place in the world with the hottest recorded temperature ever. You run the first 40 miles below or at sea level. Then you have three big climbs, Uptown Pass, back down in the Panamint, up Father Crowley. Then you kind of run flat for 30. And then when you get the Lone Pine at mile 122, you go from there to the Mount Whitney Portal at 135, up to 9,000 feet. Your last half marathon is straight uphill with like 7,000 feet of climbing. And uh, it's, yeah, it's called the world's hardest race. It's definitely one of them. And um, it's, you know, again, something that I've worked for for 11, 12 years to get into that race. And I, you know, honestly, I never thought it would happen. And then when I got my name called in February this year and my folks here and one of my best friends here, and it was just like, wow, that was, that was one of those moments. I'm like, wow, I got the bad water. It felt like getting drafted. There's my NFL draft Hmm. moment, like the closest thing I'll ever have to that. And then, uh, you know, here we are races canceled. I would have never in a million years thought back in February that that would be possible, but you know, you just roll with the punches and we just get ready for next year and we go harder. We get in the best shape of our lives and, you know, go out there to crush it. For my part, just talking to someone who's not just like saying, hey, did you hear about this race, but actually doing it. And people talk to me about doing a lot of burpees. I'm like, I'm not even on the same page. <laughs> and I have trouble with humility and you make it easier for me to feel humble. <laughs> no, no, that's, dude, I'm, I'm humbled every day. And these races humble you. And that's, I actually love the humbling element of it. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a big part of it. Like, I mean, that's why like, people are always like, oh my God, like run these hundred milers, like 5K must be a joke to you. I'm like, no, I run it as hard and as fast as I can. It's 19 minutes of suffering and pain and misery. Like I hate 5Ks. <laughs> All these races humble you, but they make you better in the long run. And so I'm actually, I talked to the Magic Foundation, actually the founders and whatnot. And I was just kind of thinking it through, like now that we're going to have more time you know, to come full circle where I started running for magic and Lucy years ago. And I did that first training run in in death Valley before the Sahara race was like next year. I I talked to them. I'm like, I want to do a final fundraiser for you guys. And so we're going to have the annual magic marathon in San Diego at the rock and roll marathon, which is one month before bad water. So get everyone to come out here, put a big team together, participate in that, raise money for magic, and then kind of finish it up with, with bad water. And then hopefully go out to their annual conference and, and speak at it and, and share some more of the stories of the children and stuff like that. So that's going to kind of be my, 
my fundraising kind of goal and plan for next year, even though we got to flush that out a lot, but that's, that's kind of what I'm, I'm hoping to do that. That feels right. And, um, and to be able to give back and kind of come full circle and that snowball effect. So that's, that's going to be the plan. This is just exciting to hear. Thank you for sharing this stuff. I secretly hope that uh, the event you do, however it ends up with the environmental stuff, yep. ends up working its way in there. Yep. You got a lot of causes and they're all great causes, but I hope it works its, its way in somehow. Well, I would, I would just like, I would like to see, you know, F45 East Village really start taking a leadership role, which we have in a lot of ways in the community here, not just what we're doing with Hard Rock, but, you know, throughout the last four months where it was, you know, having a, we did a, a Sunday pizza day at the studio, like giving food out to the first responders. We delivered food to, you know, a couple of hospitals, like, you know, hand-to-hand combat, just doing a lot of stuff, trying to do little things that we can to sort of take a leadership role in the community, even if they're, like you said, they're smaller events, but they, they add up and, and continuing that mission going forward. Because again, we're a new business, you know, we've been open for, you know, a year. So, I mean, we're kind of making a name for ourselves. If you like the show, I recommend acting as my guests do. It works best with someone supportive, your spouse, parents, kids, neighbors, or friends. Learn the four-step process I do with my guests and describe in my TEDx talks and do it together. You'll find yourself acting on something you care about, something meaningful. Whether you start big or small, doesn't matter. If you care, if it's meaningful, you'll keep doing it. You'll reach big. Eventually, stewardship will feel normal. You'll wish you had started earlier. Second, I recommend donating to help this podcast at joshuaspodek.com slash donate. I promote degrowth and stewardship, which no advertiser will touch but brings joy, community, connection, and abundance to you when you act, and global change in the long run. Help us keep going. That's joshuaspodek.com slash donate. Man, I got to find more people doing what you're doing around here. It's fun to be involved. You know, it's like, I just don't like being on the sidelines, you know, like you like to be in the arena, that that quote that, you know, we've all seen a million times about the man in the arena. I mean, that's, that's, that's bread and butter. And then you have all these critics on the outside that will question the man in the arena, but like, at least he's in the action right? Like at least he's mm-hmm. in the game, right or wrong, win or lose, he's in the arena. And that's what you want to be. Yeah. I was listening to some other podcasts, I think with Sam Harris, and he was talking to someone about happiness. And they pointed out how human beings are pretty poor at predicting what will make them feel good. Because you would think that oh, I'm going to sit down and watch a bunch of TV or, you know, right now there's a lot of self-care. Yep. Make sure you're doing self-care while you're in isolation. What actually makes people more happy is generally helping others. Yep. So we think, oh, I'll get a massage. That'll make me feel better. Uh, it makes you feel pleasure for a little while, but it doesn't really, it's not like very meaningful for, I mean, maybe for some people, but, and then you think, oh, man, I don't want to go to the soup kitchen, oh, man, it's all dirty. I don't want to deal with it. But then you come back from it. You're like, that was great. I got to do that more. Yep. That's what you're doing. I hope people get that. <laughs> I, most people probably get it more than I do, but yeah. Thank you for sharing. Anything to wrap up with before, before we leave off for episode two, when that happens? Oh, I, th- I think just, you know, I mean, everyone just trying to come to grips with this situation, reflecting honestly and openly um, about your raw emotions and being authentic um, with what you're experiencing, I think is so important now. And, you know, and like I said, I've, I've had my good days and bad. And I've like last four months, I've had a lot more bad days than good. It's been about tough on all of us, but, you know, we get through it together. And so I think, again, I always, I always look back to, you know, during my run, Cause like, I never like to, when I talk about the vets and veteran suicide, I never like to talk about it saying like, as if I experienced it, like my running stuff. And you say like hundred percent, like I went through that. Like I cried on mile 155. I had a blown out Achilles, you know, all that stuff. Like I speak from personal experience, but when I talk about the vets, I like to just 
refer to what they tell me, not what the media says, but my personal interactions. And if I didn't have a personal interaction about it, then I don't say it. And like they would always, when they would talk about their time serving, it was therapeutic. When they would share their experiences, it was therapeutic to them. And I think for me, having conversations like this and this other podcast we did recently, in a lot of ways is therapy. Like, because it forces me to talk real and authentically, getting to the core of my emotions. And I always feel better when I'm doing that. And I think that's something that everyone can kind of take away from this talk and all the talks is that, you know, being comfortable opening up about the good, the bad, and the ugly ultimately will promote healing if that's what you need at this moment. And I think we all need a little bit of healing. So I think that would be my one key takeaway. Thank you for sharing that. It's so easy to look at these physical activities and think it's just a physical thing. And to share this emotional side of it is... To me, it's not physical. Like I say, it's not about running. Like, I mean, yeah, of course it's about running a little bit, but it's like the emotional and spiritual that I get out of it on top of the mental fortitude and that stuff. Like, that's what I love about it. Like, you asked me like a couple, whatever, our last podcast, like, what, what do you love about it? Like a, that breaking point, like that you versus you moment and conquering something that's so beyond your limits and finding a deeper level, like finding those three, four, five reserve cans of fuel that are deep in your soul that you don't know exist, like getting to that place. Like, that's what makes it fun for me. So it's not, it's not the, the actual physical running piece, even though it is a race. You know, I'm sorry if, if this is keeping going more than... No, no, no. no. Intended, but... like, I, I mean, I, I love this. I'm passionate about this stuff. So, you know, I can talk about it all day. Because the way you're talking about this physical stuff is on, on such a bigger scale than for me of like not flying or avoiding packaged food. And I'll tell you an episode that I did recently. This was not with a guest. This is just me. I do solo episodes where I just talk about my experiences mm-hmm. and it's called Bald or Plastic. And this episode has resonated with people so much more than the flying stuff. So when I was 19 was the first I sensed like my hairline was starting to recede a bit. And something like 10 years passed and nothing really changed. I was like, Whoosh, that was close. Right. And then at some point I started using minoxidil, you know, Rogaine. And I don't know if it works or not, but I've been using it up until recently. And as I avoided packaged food, you know, after a while I realized like vinegar was something I was getting in a bottle. And I thought, I learned how to make vinegar from scratch. Just get some apples, put it in water. It turns out it's really easy and fun. And then I stopped getting those jars or bottles. And it's gotten to the point where the bottles that I get the Rogaine or the minoxidil in are the biggest source of plastic for me. So they're really small. And most people would say, wow, oh, it's recyclable. Well, it's recycled is basically throwing stuff away. So I'm thinking to myself, do I stop buying this? Because I stopped buying all these other things. And you know, flying, if I fly, if I decide, I never said I'm not going to fly for the rest of my life. I probably won't just because I, what you were talking about, what I get out of it, is so much greater than what I put into it. And there's so much that I learned from learning about my community. The way I've been putting it lately is, uh, you know, when you look at an online map, there's a certain level of detail. And when you click zoom, naively, you might think there'll be less detail when you go in close, but actually it fills in more detail. And whatever level, no matter how much you zoom in, zoom in or out, there's always just as much detail. So if you fly 10,000 miles, you'll get a certain distance. But if you bike 200 miles, the scale changes. So you get just as much distance, meaningful distance. Anyway, so not flying, I've liked, but I could always reverse it. Anytime I want, I can get on a flight. And most people would be like, ah, great. Josh is flying. See, flying's flying's fine. Well, I can't reverse if I go bald. So if I, for a short period of time, and I don't know if it's working or not, it feels like it's moving back in the past week or two since I've made this decision. And people are like, it really resonates with them. Partly, I decided to stop 
using it. And then I went online, I was looking online and I saw it was really cheap at Rite Aid. And so I, I went back on my decision and I went to the Rite Aid and said, will you, well, on the shelf, it was like a certain price, but I was like, it's half that price online. And they're like, well, that's the online price. We, we, we don't honor it. It's, it's, they're, they're trying to motivate people to go online. And I was like, I went back on my decision, right? How many, this is everyone who's quit cigarettes more, more than once or quit alcohol or whatever, you know, more than once. I'm the same as everyone else. You know, even my dad is like, Josh, you just have this one thing. That's just your one thing. Other people have to balance this and they have to balance that. I'm like, what do you think? I'm not human. I balance too. You know, I try yeah. and I move my balance. Like I, I change my behavior based on my values. I try to live by the values I want to more, but I go back on my decisions. I, I felt like crap about that, but you got to go through that. Yep. I mean, it's relatively small, I would guess, than running your last half marathon going up a, mo- a mountain to 9,000 feet. That seems a bit easier, but I don't know. I mean, well, yeah, it does seem a lot easier, but I like my hair. <laughs> and I can feel it. it's, it's, you know, that feeling of like the wind hits skin where it used to hit air, not skin. Right. And you're like, darn. But every time I've done it before, it's led to, I prefer the result in ways that I could never have predicted. I thought not getting packaged food meant less variety. I thought it meant more time cooking, less convenience. And I was totally wrong. Yeah, you got to share these things. I, I don't know. It's not so easy. Well, I suppose some people are listening. It's probably a bunch of bald guys being like, Josh, <laughs> let go of your vanity, man. <laughs> but maybe it'll stay where it is. I don't know. I don't know. So it's, it, it's looking pretty solid. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's only been a couple of weeks since I stopped using it. it might, maybe it'll stay. I don't know. Yeah. But it's a step off into the unknown. Right. And talking to people like you, it's like, oh, Josh, stop being so full of yourself. Just enjoy life. Let it rip. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, great, great combo. Always appreciate being on the show. Always love talking to you about whatever we get into. And, um, you know, I look forward to our next one. Me too. So after we hang up, we'll schedule when things work out the next time. Yep. And great talking to you too. Okay. I love this podcast for bringing people to me like George. Actually, not the podcast. The podcast is just one manifestation of what I consider living by my values, even when it's hard. He reminds me that I have not hit hard yet. Not flying, avoiding packaged food, picking up garbage. These things are child's play compared to what he does. Sadly, in our world, what I do, just picking up garbage off the street is so far outside normal American behavior that they set me apart. I'm sad to say that. I hope that soon culture will change. Actually, I hope that you listeners will help lead it. You could start your offshoot of this podcast for yourself, starting leadership in the environment, your thing. You'll be able to meet the George Chimmels of your interests and make you'll become a leader too. I hope that happens. In any case, we'll hear from George for episode two soon. How many people are bringing a message of joy from what everyone calls saving the environment, but I call the future? Step by step, this podcast is creating a culture of joy, community, and connection around sharing and acting on our environmental values. Again, there's no profit in buying and wasting less, but we'll all love our lives and relationships more when we do. I can use your support please donate at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. Again, that's joshuaspodick.com slash donate.